Welcome to the Spanish Arpada. I'm Sarah. And I am Peter. And we are ranking and reviewing all of the rulers of Spain from Leovigild to Felipe VI. And today we are going to review Pelayo. Uh, well, that's a lot closer to being able to spell. Okay. So I should tell you that this guy's name originally was Pelagius. Okay. Okay. Typically in Spanish nowadays, he is called Don Pelayo. P, mm-hmm. uh, P, A, oh gosh. <laughs> Oh. P-E-L-A-Y-O. Pelayo, yes. Okay, I was going to say, if you can't P-E-L-A-Y-O. spell it with it right in front of you, I have no chance. <laughs> it's very early. I just got up. Sure. So, yes, this is not an Arabic name, as you mm-hmm. might have noticed. Mm-hmm. So we are going to be talking about our first post-conquest Christian king. Oh, this is either going to be delightful or depressing. Um, it, it's it's pretty cool. I'm which, by the to... way, could could really sort of be the the slogan uh, of the podcast. This it is either could going to be delightful, delightful or depressing. Or depressing. Yes, that's a lot of history, to be quite mm-hmm. honest. Mm-hmm. All right, yes. I'm going to show you this map because usually when we okay. start a new dynasty. We mm-hmm. do like an introduction, like we did it with the Visigoths and we did it with the Muslim rulers. Mm-hmm. We're not doing an introductory episode for the Asturians, but I kind of just wanted to show you where we are mm-hmm. in Spain and in history. So I'm showing okay. you the map of Al-Andalus that I showed you during the Muslim introduction, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And we can see that almost the entirety of the peninsula is Al-Andalus at yes. this point, right? Right. right. We, we are here. We even have those parts of Septimania, like right. Neem and... The- and um, that, that, that were taken the, by Al-Sad. The caliphate has been nothing if not efficient. Right. But up at the very north of Spain, there's this little strip of land between <laughs> the Atlantic Ocean and Al-Andalus. Mm-hmm. And these are territories that were never fully conquered by the Muslims. Okay. There are three modern regions of Spain there. We'll go from uh, left to right or from west to east. Okay. The first little bit is Asturias. Mm-hmm. A-S-T-U-R-I-A-S, if you would like to spell that, Asturias. We've heard about Asturias before. It's right next to Galicia, which you can see was mostly taken by the the Muslims. We heard about Asturias mostly for the tribes that lived there. I mentioned the Rucones once that Leo Vigil fought back in the day. This is Mm kind of where they are. Right. Okay. Very mountainous and a very good place to hide, not only from right. Romans, but also from Muslims. Sure. Lots of places yes. to find honey, he said, yes. making a I... joke referenced last episode. Indeed. <laughs> Next to that, we have Cantabria. We've okay. also heard about Cantabria before. There was, you remember uh, Sisibut on the boat watching uh, from a yacht? Watching <gasps> oh, the, the yacht. The yacht poetry. Well, the yacht was in the Bay of Biscay, the Atlantic oh, okay. Ocean just north, and the Cantabrians were the ones that they were fighting against. Gotcha. There's not really any specific tribes mentioned mm. of living in Cantabria. They're usually right. just called the Cantabrians. Gotcha. But once again, it's the same as Asturias. It's a very mountainous zone, very mm-hmm. hard to fully assimilate either into right. the Roman Empire, the Visigothic state, or now, of course, the Caliphate. Right. And then to the east, right above where you see Pamplona, this is the Basque country. And there was always going to be that. Yes. So as you can see, the Basque country, Pamplona is considered part of the Basque country. So you can Mm. see that the Muslims have made quite some inroads in here, but not fully conquered. There is Mm -hmm. still an area of the Basque country that because of its mountainous 
region and the right. first independence of the Basques sure. was never fully assimilated. Right. Yeah. So these three areas, these three regions on the mm -hmm. top is where the Christian kingdoms are going to arise. Gotcha. So okay. we're going to start our story today with the local rulers of the two westerly most, Asturias and um, Cantabria. Okay. Right now, they don't officially have kings, mm -hmm. but there are local leaders. In okay. Asturias, the local leader is a guy named, as I said, Pelagius or Palayo. Mm -hmm. Right. And in Cantabria, just to the east, there is a guy named Duke Peter. Hmm. Okay. He's normally called Pedro. <laughs> We like him already. Yes, I'm uh, sure you do. Right. Well, it's interesting. We're going to see throughout this episode a big effort to connect these people, Palayo mm -hmm. and Pedro, with the Visigoths. Okay. Right? Our main source is the Chronicle of Alfonso III. And we've talked mm. about this before, how they really want to show an, right. uh, an unbroken line of succession from Leo the Guild all the way till modern Spain. Alfonso right? has an agenda. He has a big <laughs> agenda, right? But I want you to notice these names. How many Visigoths do you know named Pedro? That would be none. How about any named Pelagius? Uh no, no, not really no. no that's really no. a roman name i was gonna say we, we nothing nothing visigothic is, no. is, is creeping out and it's quite interesting we've talked about the influence of arabic on the modern spanish language yes. there's not a lot of influence of gothic on the modern spanish language hmm. You know, okay. when you study Spanish, linguists often talk about substrates, right? right? These are languages that came before and had some sort of influence on the modern language. Yes. So Gothic is a substrate of Spanish, but there's not a lot of words hmm. that have come through. There are several names. Right. For example, Rodrigo comes from Roderick. Okay, sure. Right? Got that. Um, a lot of words that end in ego or Diego are thought to be gothic in gothic. origin mm -hmm. but it's really hard a lot of germanic words mm -hmm. often came in through the franks right that right makes sense. it's sure it's hard to tell what actually came from the visigoths and so despite what alfonso iii wants to say mm -hmm. i think we can see this as a pretty clear break between yeah. the visigoths yeah. and the modern <laughs> christian kings I was going to say, I mean, it's, 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 it's very similar to, you know, the, well, I mean, in a sense, the, the history of Mexico, uh, where, you know, it, it, it starts with certain names and then all of a sudden there's, there's president Bob. It's like, well, something happened between the previous guy and Bob. Yes. <clears throat> now, despite the <laughs> linguistic evidence that we have yes. before us, the Chronicle of Alfonso III states that Pelayo is the grandson of Chindeswith. Wow, we are really, well, are we reaching no, back it's that not, far? No, it's not that far. Remember right, that Ervig, right. uh, Ejica, even Wamba had pretty short terms. Right, right. Yeah. And and the uh, the governors uh, that we've been covering have also they been short-term. They have short also been pretty short -term. Okay, so yes. a lot of turnover. Right, so, okay. So <clears throat> this is how it worked, according to Alfonso III. Chindeswith mm -hmm. had three sons. Right. The oldest, of course, was Resiswin. Resiswin, yes. King. Right. The youngest was a guy named Theodafred. I don't know if you remember this guy, but I, I did mention. Do him. you remember that name? I'm, uh, I've, 
scrambling he, through my notes, but yes. He, he only comes up again because when Ehika was king and he went right. on that purge of all his in-laws, right. he, he kind of just used it as an excuse to get rid of anybody he didn't like. Right. And Geodafred was one of the people involved. He was blinded. Mm. Oh my. Yes. Okay. All right. Now, so these are the only two sons that are attested elsewhere. And How just just for my own, this is this is Theodafred, no relation to Theodavir or Tudmir. No, uh, no relation to Tudmir, but that's okay. good. That's a I good. Mean, but once again, you say, will... right, Theoda and Theoda. It's a bit of an overlap, but the Vir and the Fred sort of, yeah. Yes. Well, once again, you'll notice they're very Visigothic names. I, I was gonna say, indeed. Well, the there is a third son, a middle son that is not. Right. By the way, just very quickly to our listeners, yes, I completely blipped over the fact that a man was horribly mutilated at the hands of invaders. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> just just apologies. Keep going. <laughs> yes. Well, so this middle son is right. not attested anywhere else, but he okay. is. Uh, Alfonso III, and then several others who have picked this up from Alfonso III, state that there was a third son of Chinniswind right. called Favila. Okay. Favila. Uh, with a B? Actually with a V, but it's pronounced the same in Spanish. Oh, okay. All right. So Just... Favila, yeah, is the same. And I'm immediately going to fava beans. Um, yes. All right. All so, right. Favila is not mentioned at all, somehow survived all of the purges from Ejica and, uh, and the conquest. Oh, middle and children are easy to overlook. I suppose, um, but he apparently had a son named Pelayo. Hmm. Why, a right. guy, why a guy with the father uh, named Chindeswind would name right. son Pelagius is left to the imagination. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that, that, that reeks of someone who took a semester abroad and came back way overcompensating. Um, well, in truth, Pelagius was probably always a Northern Lord. He was probably Hispano-Roman and he was probably born in the area of Asturias. Right, okay, gotcha. So. We don't know when exactly he was born, but it was probably in the 680s. Mm -hmm. And as far as we know, he himself, did he himself claim to be the uh, grandson of Chindeswin? I, mean, I, that... I don't know that. Okay. The first thing we really know about Palayo comes in the year 718. Mm, okay. So this is around the time of the governorships between Alhur and Al-Sam. Okay. When the sources state that Palayo was chosen mm -hmm. to be king in the Visigothic manner. <laughs> okay. Uh, now, I think I know what that means technically, mm -hmm. uh, but there's, there's the Visigothic manner of practical, uh, as in the early guy died in the room of knives and poison, and then mm -hmm. there's the, uh, shall we say, de jure style of voted in by the collection of nobles. Well, that is what they mean. Okay. Again, I don't know if this actually happened. This might right. just be another instance of later chroniclers wanting to have this right. continuation with the Want, Wanting to right? legitimize, sure, absolutely. Right, but uh, according to the sources we have in 718 or thereabouts, right. Pelayo was chosen by other leading men of the area to mm -hmm. be the ruler over them. All right, okay. Yes, 
All right. Whether that actually happened or whether there were battles and scheming and knives and poison behind the right. scenes, we don't know. Did he really want the job? Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm again, I'm looking at the map and it's not the plum gig that it once was. No, it isn't really. But nevertheless, we have a ruler of Christians in the North. Hmm. Now, immediately okay. after this, the Muslim governors don't really do anything. They right. kind of, they might not have even known it happened. Right. They might right. not have even really cared. Oh, that's very cringe. It is. Um. <laughs> we discussed in the last episode with Anbasa how the rebellion that starts, which is when the Muslims actually take notice of this new king in the north, was probably because of taxes. Oh, okay. Right. right. So Anbasa had doubled taxes on Christians. Mm -hmm. And this, most scholars think, is what motivated the, the revolution or the rebellion in the North. Right. Okay. Now, as Americans, we think that's a perfectly fine yeah, reason. Yeah, entirely to valid reason to, yes, money. <laughs> yes, they didn't want to be taxed. However, right. the Chronicle of Alfonso III apparently wants to uh, nicen this up a oh, little bit. pretty it up a little bit, sure. Pretty mm -hmm. it up. They make it, make it seem a little more religiously inspired. Right. Or at right. least in tune with the uh, morals of the day. So let's see what, Al what Alfonso III said. Oh, goody. According to Alfonso III, at the time, the prefect in the area of Gijon, which is in Asturias, actually, yes. um, okay. right, right on the coast, mm -hmm. uh, was a man named Menuza. This is a Muslim from the south. Right. Um, he, he apparently was a companion of Tariq, so he came over oh. from the beginning. Okay, so no, he's a veteran, sure. Yes, so he's a veteran of the conquest, and uh, his reward for participating mm -hmm. in the conquest was sure. getting to be a tax collector. Oh, well. <laughs> what's, what's, what's second prize? Dog catcher? Good lord. <laughs> well, so he was, he was the leader of the, the, the ruler of the prefecture. And according to Alfonso III, mm -hmm. Because Pelayo was so important in the district, sure. Manuza got to know him, and Pelayo also had a sister. Oh, my God. Apparently, this sister was real nice. Uh-huh. One of the first things Manuza does upon mm -hmm. having this job is yeah. he takes Pelayo, along with several other local nobles, and sends him to Cordoba as hostages. Uh-huh. Right? Right. This, this is of something course. that would happen with territories that weren't quite conquered if they weren't willing to submit if they didn't want to do a treaty like Tudmir did mm -hmm. then it was it was war rules you take hostages to right. to keep the population calm right permission to treat the witnesses hostile your honor that kind exactly of thing. Okay. so right. Pelayo along with several others was sent to Cordoba as a hostage mm -hmm. well according to the Chronicle of Alfonso III Medusa yep. did this on purpose so yep. that he would have free access to Pelayo's sister Oh, for God's sake, he brave. I mean, Alfonso is doing a brave heart. That's what yes. this is. This is a brave heart. It wasn't because of, you know, any other reason than there was a woman involved and she got she gets refrigerated. This is really. Yes. Awful. Like I said, taxes weren't seen as enough. We have to have something really mighty for this. Right. Of course. So this is what this, this is a quote from Alfonso III. Quote. Yes. Before Pelayo returned from Cordoba, Manuza married his sister through some stratagem. 
Okay. When Palio returned, he by no means approved of it. No, no, he probably didn't, fair. <laughs> Since he had already been thinking about the salvation of the church, he hastened to bring this about with all his courage. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, uh-huh. So, so this is what Alfonso III said, uh, that... Pelayo was already upset that it was a Muslim country and not a Christian co- country. Right. And he was thinking of the salvation of the church. Of and course. then the spark was that Manuza married his sister. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yes. Of course. Sure. Again. Oh, this the screams of Hollywood rewrite. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. <clears throat> All right. So this is where we get to the actual rebellion. Anvasa sends soldiers to Manuza to help him put down this this uprising. Mm-hmm. And this is where we get the the Christians who are living in the rocks and eating honey right. and, and things right. of that nature. Right. Right. Now, again, the Chronicle of Alfonso III pretties this up quite a lot. Oh, God. Right. So uh, Pelayo escapes from the initial uh, onslaught. You know, he, he sneaks away when they're in the battle and he uh, swims across a river and he hides oh. in a cave and, and all of this great stuff. And from there, right. he, he regroups. Sure, sure, right? of course. So it's we, all very dashing and daring. We want to have him played by Keanu Reeves. Make this happen. Yes. All right. The soldiers who had come to apprehend him According mm-hmm. to the Chronicle of Alfonso III, they returned to Cordoba. They related everything to the governor. They said that Palayo is a rebel. And uh, so <sighs> we are sending an even bigger army of to course. take him down. Yes. Oh my God, now, this when, is Braveheart. Okay. It is Braveheart. So when the second army comes, mm-hmm. it's not just Muslims that have come. Of course, there are many troops there. Right, right. There, there's an old friend who was sent along. Oh no. Bishop Appa. You remember him? I do. He's the guy in Cordoba uh, or in Toledo. He was right. in Toledo at the time, but he has since moved to Cordoba. Yeah, who was, was related to Witiza. Mm-hmm. And when the Muslims showed up, he's the one that said, oh, here's all the nobles running away. They went that way. They uh, went there. Bring them back yeah. and hang them. Yeah. Yeah. Again. Always, always good to have a weasel in the story. Yes. So uh, according to Alfonso III, quote, the governor ordered Appa, a certain bishop of the See of Toledo and son of King Witiza, on account uh, of whose treachery the Goths had perished, to go with Alcama and the army to Asturias. Oh, God. Yeah. All right. So here's Appa again. He has made it through the conquest. His treachery mm-hmm. paid off for him. Yes. He's still a bishop of the remaining Christians in the South. Mm-hmm. And now he's being sent along on this mission. Uh, yes. Okay. What no follows, doubt leaving a trail of slime behind him as he goes. <laughs> what follows in the Chronicle of Alfonso III is a very long and almost certainly completely made up dialogue between Appa and Pelayo, where Appa Oh, is no, I'm sure. I'm attempting sure there was a to, transcriber. Yes. Yeah, right. Yes. <laughs> Appa is attempting to convince Pelayo to give up, go back uh-huh. into the city, uh, start paying his taxes again, and submit uh-huh. to the authority of the Muslims. Oh, and yeah, Pelayo yeah. says, no, the church <laughs> demands that I fight for her. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let, let, let me read some of this. Oh, please. Yes. Quote, 
Bishop Appa ascended the hill in front of Kovadonga. Kovadonga is the cave where Pelayo was hiding out. Right. And spoke to Pelayo saying, Pelayo, Pelayo, where are you? Pelayo, <laughs> responding from an opening, said, I am here. The bishop said to him, I suppose you are not unaware, my brother and son, how all of Spain a short time ago was organized according to one order under the rule of the Goths, and that it outshone all other lands in learning and knowledge. Mm -hmm. If when the entire army of the Goths was assembled, it proved incapable of withstanding the attack of the Ishmaelites, how much more effectively do you expect to defend yourself on this mountaintop? To oh, me, it seems difficult. Okay. Rather, mm -hmm. heed my warning and recall your soul from this decision so that you may enjoy the partnership of the Ishmaelites and take advantage of the many benefits. <laughs> to this, sure. Pelayo responded, have you not read in the divine scriptures how the church of God is compared to a mustard seed and that it will be raised up again through <laughs> divine mercy? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The bishop responded, it is indeed written thus. Pelayo said, Christ is our hope that through this little mountain, which you see, the well-being of Spain and the army of the Gothic people will be restored. Mm -hmm. So it goes on like this for a couple pages. Good Lord. Um, <laughs> now, I, I, will, I will be pedantic for a second yes. and, and point out that what Alfonso is doing, there, there is a precedent for what he is doing. Going back as far as Thucydides and perhaps more relevantly, the, the work of Josephus in describing the Roman conquest of Israel. Of Judea, yeah. Uh, yeah. The dialogue between uh, basically parties is, is very much uh, part of it. And the difference obviously here being that the <clears throat> There's been no attempt to make the dialogue even slightly credible. <laughs> oh, no, it, it's clearly a, it's a play, you know? Yes, it, exactly. It, it, yes, it's a morality tale. And right. it's interesting because I mentioned we were going to see the Christian side of this rebellion mm -hmm. this week. But remember right. last week, mm -hmm. these people were hiding in caves and eating honey and there were 30 of them left. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. the Muslims figured, eh, not a big deal. Right. right. Correct. The Christians will take this battle of Covadonga oh, yeah. and make it the start of the reconquest. Of course. This is where it all began. Right. This is right. the 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 event that we should all rally around. Right. Of course. Yes. So Appa decides, okay, this guy is not going to come peacefully. He goes back to Alcama, who's the general that has come along from Cordoba, and says, mm -hmm. we gotta fight. Sure, of course. So they engage in battle. According to Alfonso III, swords flashed, spears oh. were brandished, arrows <laughs> were right. shot incessantly. However, God is apparently on the side of Pelayo because they were not only able to overpower the force that came at that from the cave, some of the Muslim forces turned and fled. Appa was captured. Alcaba oh. was killed. Mm -hmm. And... In addition, as I said, to the 124,000 Muslim troops that were killed, 63,000 fled and eventually ended up being drowned in a river. 
Oh, wow. So Palaios, yes. uh, they may never take our, they will never take our freedom speech for the battle really paid off. It really did pay off. Alfonso III says, when they, meaning the Muslims, had reached the summit of the mountain, which is over the bank of a river called the Deva, next to a village, right. village called Kosiaga, it happened by a judgment of God that the mountain, quaking from its very base, hurled the 63,000 men into the river and crushed them all. Even now, <laughs> even now, when this river fills beyond its limit, it reveals many visible signs of these events do not oh, think God. this to be unfounded or fictitious <laughs> uh sure of course yes so this according to the christians is the reason that the muslims turned around and stopped fighting because they I... were so victorious and god was so clearly on their side mm -hmm. again remember that the muslim sources said that they thought the force was so pitiful that they just left right alone. yeah they're yes. very much i was gonna say there's <clears throat> I'm I'm really seeing this situation as being analogous to Palayo has opened up a petting zoo directly across the street from Disney World and is really proud of the fact that his petting zoo is going concern and wants to know what Disney World is going to do about it, huh? Mm -hmm. And Disney World's reaction is nothing. Yeah, because nothing really. why would we? Also, an alligator just ate your llama. Um, <laughs> so, all right. Yes. So after this battle, which was either extremely epic and involved right. earthquakes and the killing of hundreds of thousands of Muslims, yes, or was possibly a little skirmish where the Christians had to survive by eating honey out of cracks right. and rocks. To, to be fair, I want to see the movie version of Alfonso's. Oh, uh, definitely. Uh, yeah, I mean, I want to see that. That's that's that does. It's a good story, but yeah, no. So after this, the Muslims leave Asturias alone. They yeah. kind of retreat from the area. They're like, you know what? This really isn't worth it. Oh, no screw point. this noise. Yeah, screw exactly. This noise, right. right? So this gives Pelayo some breathing room to sure. continue his kingship because mm -hmm. everyone talks about the the Battle of Copadonga. Sure. But he was king for quite some time afterwards. So right. he does a couple of other things okay. for the end of his tenure. Probably the most important is he sets a capital. Right. And he chooses the capital to be at Cangas de Onis. Cangas de Onis is a small village. It has absolutely no significance in Spain now, except for the fact that it was the capital of Palayo. Okay. Right. And does the, does the, forgive me again, my ignorance, does, does the name mean anything? Mm, not, not to my knowledge. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. The other thing that he does, and this is something that we are going to be seeing throughout the next couple Christian kings, mm -hmm. is the depopulation of the area surrounding Asturias. Ooh, one of those words. So basically... Like pacification. This is well, bad. Well, it's not as bad as all that, but basically what Pelayo did was mm -hmm. say to the people who are living there, okay, look, we can't hold this much territory right now. Okay. You know, why don't you all abandon your land, come live in Cangas de Onis, come live in Asturias, come live in the mountains with us, mm -hmm. leave that place completely unpopulated so it will be like a, a no man's land between right. us and the Muslims. Okay. They're they're doing sort of the Athenian uh, retreat before the Persians or the, the Russian retreat before Napoleon. Um, right. Make the land so empty 
uh, and and let's face it, worthless to invaders. That it de-incentivizes, you know, the the well, the desire to invade in the first place. Correct. So these okay. despoblados will hang okay. around for a little bit, and we will hear of future kings repopulating the area okay. once they have enough right. sort, you know, resources to do so. Okay. I mean, and uh, this will be, you know, when we get to scoring him. But I, I, I like the idea that he's thinking long term. He is. Um, that's yes. Good. He reigned for about eighteen or nineteen years. He didn't die until seven thirty-seven. Wow. That's really impressive. This is something uh, we are going to see over and over coming up during the Reconquista, during the Reconquest, mm-hmm. when the Muslim rulers are, let's just say, pitiful. <laughs> this gives the Christian rulers space to, mm-hmm. if not necessarily do great things, right. at least have long reigns. Sure. Sure. I mean, and when, when the northern kings are again, let's just say pitiful. Pitiful. <laughs> we tend to see a lot longer reigns of Muslim <coughs> rulers. Gotcha. I will say now we are doing Pelayo now, and then we are going to switch back to the Muslim rulers, and we're going to okay. get through probably about five governors before we mm. get to another Christian king. Okay. There's a lot of infighting oh. going on right now in the caliphate, and nobody oh. is going to have a very long term. And this contributes to the fact that Pelayo is able to continue on without being challenged mm-hmm. because the Muslims are worried with their own right. internal problems. Sure. Sure. We will see okay. the opposite of this when it comes to Pelayo's grandchildren, because several of them rule in quick succession. Because they are so busy fighting each other and having internal family struggles, we will see much longer rules from the Muslim rulers in the South. All right. So this is something we are going to see a lot coming up. Okay. Um, I'm I'm looking forward to this. So it's, you know, I was going to say it's, it's, it's power and glory on one side and banana peels and, you know, ball bearings on the other. And then they, exactly. they, switch, they switch roles. Okay, And they like switch this. back and forth. Yes. <laughs> gotcha. Now, right. before he passes away, Pelayo yes. does one more important thing, apart from setting the capital and depopulating the countryside. Uh, he wants to ensure his succession. Of course he does. Yes. Now, Pelayo has two children, a boy mm-hmm. and a girl. Okay. The boy is named Favila, after his father. Right, okay. And the girl is named Hermesinda. So he wants, obviously, Favila to rule after him, which is what happens. Sure. However, again, he's looking to his legacy, he's looking right. to the future, and he knows that Cantabria is right next door. Yes, it is. It has a local leader already, mm-hmm. and he wants to get them on side. So, uh-huh. he, so he approaches Duke Peter. Ah, okay. He says, hey, Pedro, I know you have a son right. named Alfonso. Mm-hmm. How about your son will marry my daughter, and then we'll all be one big royal line right. together. We'll, we'll call them Alfonsinda as a couple. How about that? That, be, <laughs> that sounds got, really good, actually. Celebrity name rolls off the tongue. Let's do this. Yes. And... Pedro thinks that's a really great idea. He's seen Pelayo and the work that he's been doing at Asturias, sure. and he thinks, you know what? I do want in on I some I was going to say, 19 years. This is looking good. So he agrees. He marries Alfonso to Hermesinda. They, they are happily married. 
Oh, okay. Then, well, I don't know how happily they are. We well, don't have we we don't really have any yeah uh, details about that, but they do get married. And then um, Favila is also married to to a woman. She is not important. We will okay. not be learning very much about oh, her. Oh no! <laughs> Spoiler alert. Yeah. But then Pelayo does die a natural death in the mm-hmm. year 737, and his son Favila takes over for him. All right. So it works out great. I was going to say, that's how it's supposed to go. That's how it's supposed to go. He is buried in near Cangas de Onis, but his body has been moved around quite a bit because he is so important as this touchstone of the restarter of the reconquest. I, I uh. think he is now currently buried at Covadonga. Yeah at that cave uh, where the battle took place. If Goodfellas teaches us anything, it's when you dig up a body for the second time, it's a much, it gets it progressively messier. Um, yeah, the last time he was transferred was Alfonso the 10th, which is in the 1200s. So mm-hmm. I don't even really want to think about what it looked like at that point. Right. But that is the life and uh, kingship of Pelayo of Asturias. Pretty impressive, really. Pretty impressive. Are you ready to rate him? I I am. Okay. All right. So our first category is conquistadores. How much land did he conquer? How good was he at war? Well, I'm going to say pretty good. I was going to say, it's it's definitely not going to be a low score. The borders don't really move. They don't um, really move much. So, However, he is able to assert himself in front of the Muslim prefect. Right. And right. retain independence in Asturias. Sure. And and again, to, to, to draw a comparison with American uh, figure, uh, the borders didn't move post-Washington. But right. Washington, nonetheless, transformed the nature of those borders into something considerably accomplished. And and I think we have to give him credit for that. Um, Also, if we want to go by the chronicle of Alfonso, he is Mel Gibson. He is um, Mel Gibson, and he yeah. gives a really good speech before the battle. Right, right, and and the battle is is you know uh, very very dramatic. It's very one sided. We have a little Henry VIII at Agincourt. We're all gonna die. Oh wait, no, we're not because God is on our side. And the, and the, I the, can't really overstate how important this battle is to the narrative of the reconquest. Right, right. It's absolutely. you're gonna see when we get to El Resto. I have a lot of statues to show you sure, because sure. this guy is considered so important and this battle is considered uh, you know just right. changing the entire context right, right. as i mean and as, as americans even though it wasn't right as americans we we memorize the name lexington and concord and then as an adult you go back and you study what actually happened at lexington and concord and oh, say no, that it was, was a it? Fu- it was a firefight between That's like it? three people yeah this is insane <laughs> But yes. it doesn't matter because the story uh, is is the story. You print the legend. I will say I'm I'm going to give him a pretty good score because here's the thing in in the movie version of his life, the movie version of his life will be a war movie. Yes. It's it's going to be structured around battle. I think more than anything else. And that's a great movie to watch. And it is. It's a great movie to watch. And let's not pretend that okay, even even a a half-assed uh, attack by the caliphate 
is still an attack by the caliphate. I mean, we're, we're, we're talking about a, a, you know, a, a talented fighting force. And he'd been eating honey uh, yeah. for a very long time. <laughs> Living in a cave. So just, yeah, I was going to say, he's, he's very Logi. Uh, you know, just, uh, oh, God. Um, so I'm going to give him a six. I'm, I'm really, uh, just, just looking back over it, I, I don't know that he's going to get a lot of other points, but I think, I think, Given what he had to work with and what he accomplished, I think I think a six is fair. Yeah, I'm going to give him a seven. It's, oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> I think a lot of other people who are more invested in the narrative of Reconquest would probably give him a nine or a ten. Oh, give him a nine or a ten, of course. But I, I think historically this battle wasn't that important. Right. I, right. I have to give a high score just because of the historical impact of the idea of this battle and coming back from nothing but conquistadores ah, he didn't it we're going to see some kings who really really pushed the reconquest and i want to save the high scores for them right um you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna bump up my 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 score for him i think i think seven sounds better i'm I'm just again i'm looking at 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 the nature of of what he did yeah i think seven is good for me too yeah it's really for the the legacy of what he did and less about the facts right and because the facts don't really cover it I can't right. give him an eight or a nine or a no, ten. no, no. But but I I think it is fair to give him a seven because when it comes right down to it, this is a man whose legacy is based on victory. Yes. Um. You know he's 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 a winner. Uh. Yes. Whether or not that that W is is legitimate, uh, he's he's still in the win column. I agree. Um, yeah. <clears throat> so that is a fourteen for conquistadores. Starting Nicely drawn. Right yes. yes. Very very good. Our second category is no me digas. What mm. did he do that people would have gossiped about? Now, I, the only thing I really have here is the bit about his sister. It yeah, I was going to say, I'm looking directly. at that as Manusa. Yeah, yeah, that really is Manusa scheming to, to marry a right. woman that mm-hmm. her brother didn't approve. Right, right. It, it's not scandalous. He it's didn't not do anything really scandalous. wrong. Right. But people would have talked about it. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and he's really more of a bystander uh, to, to the whole thing. On the other hand, it it is, according to Alfonso, it is the oh, yes. flashpoint for rebellion. Yes. Um, so that, that suggests that there's at least a, a certain amount of emotional punch to it. Um, yeah. Well, I think it's it's interesting that Manusa, even though he was the prefect of the area, I mean, he he probably could have married Pelayo's sister at any time if he wanted to, but he felt that he had to get Pelayo out of the way because he knew Pelayo was going to make a stink about it. Right. Um, which, you know, to to be fair to Manusa, it is entirely possible that he got Pelayo out of the way so that he, Manuzo, would not be forced to kill Palayo. Um, that is fair. He's like, because, we'll just take him as a hostage, get right. him out of the city, we'll get yes. married, then it'll be done, he can't do anything. Which, which by the way, if you're going to marry a, a someone's, you know, sister, um, maybe don't kill him immediately before the wedding. Uh, yeah. That, that puts yeah. a damper on the honeymoon. She's going to, are does. we talking about this again? Uh, kind of <laughs> thing. Yeah. Um, 
But yeah, but apart from that, he's painted as a very moral, upright, Christian, right, right. freedom fighter. There's there's not sure. a lot of skullduggery or right, around. right. You want? I mean, he's he he's he's an Arthurian figure of mm-hmm. of rebirth, and you don't want to uh, do too much with that. Um, it's a good story, but I'm I'm not inclined to go more than a three. Oh, that's very generous for you. Oh, really? I was was thinking a one, but I will give it two. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm. I. I. Again, it's. It's. I like the story, and it is something that people would talk about quite a bit. Mm -hmm. Um. I'm. Yeah. No. I'm gonna. I'm gonna say three. Okay. So that is a five for Nomadigas. Okay. Not really his round. No. No. But this round is Orthodoxia. Yeah, this is going to be interesting. <laughs> this is, uh, this and the Conquistadores is what he's known for. Yeah, This yeah. is framed as a way to save the church. In Absolutely. Spain, right? Yes. He explicitly mm-hmm. wants to create a Christian state where there was right. one before and now there is not. He right. argues theology with a bishop. Right. To put his point forward. And on, and based on based on the outcome of the battle, it is clear who God thinks was right. And God uh, was on debate. his side yes. because he created a whole earthquake to get rid of the fleeing That's... Muslim soldiers. Right. Yes. So orthodoxia is definitely going to be his thing. Yes. Apart, unfortunately, we don't have a lot of like church organization or mm. church building. I, I assume a lot happened during this sure. time. But 19 not, years, they had to have thrown up at least a chapel or two. Yes, <clears throat> but it's not really the focus. The focus right. is that God has chosen Pelayo. Sure. And he has, and he's he's the figurehead of this new Christian state. Right. But right. not a lot of details. You get this sense right. that other people did the details. Sure, of course. Yeah. But founds a Christian state in defiance of the onslaught of yes. the, you know, you know, horrible, you know, Muslims, et cetera, et cetera. The, 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 the narrative uh, mm. just absolutely writes itself. And setting um, him up against the complicit bishop. Right, who, right. Who is working with the Muslims um, sure. to, to, to get rid of the church or to make the church sure. subservient to another religion. Right. A- Appa yeah. is clearly a figure that you would expect to see in a boiling lake in Dante's Inferno. Oh, yes. Um, <clears throat> absolutely the sort of person that Dante would have come up with something really unpleasant. Yeah, I mean, this is, again, this is one of those, those very similar to the Conquistadores. I, yes. I think he, he gets a, a high score because of the symbolism of what he did. But there's there's no doubt that we're we're looking at someone who drew a line for the sake of, among other things, Christianity and yeah. taxes, but Christianity. Um, <laughs> Again, <clears throat> as Americans, we're like, why aren't the taxes? Yeah, enough? I was going to say That's those fine. two are the same. I don't know. So, uh, <laughs> Yeah, I'm 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 inclined to I mean again g- given that we're now looking at a map that you know has has sort of solidified into a Christian state 
Yeah, um, there's really now an us versus them. Very much an really us versus just... them, which considering the end, again, we think of the narrative, if God's judgment was expressed in initially the defeat of the Christians at the advance of the caliphate, now we have the point at which God has changed his mind. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> or perhaps now going, that the right. Christians have found someone upright to lead. Right, right. So I'm uh, just in terms of the 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 orthodoxy that he must have inspired um, in his own people and in subsequent generations. I'm, I'm inclined to go pretty high. I'm thinking Mm -hmm. almost an eight. uh, I was also thinking eight. Yeah. uh, Really, really, uh, really well done. Yes. Um, Yeah. I'm going higher than conquistadores because I think this was important in his time as well as the legacy that it inspired. Right. Yes. I agree. So that is a 16 for orthodoxia. Wow. That's one of the highest orthodoxias we've had. I think I think it is. I think mm-hmm. only Recared came yeah. close. But right. yes. And he was Boy, boring. So he was very boring. He yes. was. All right. Our final category with points is El Resto. We talk okay. about the other things that go along with being king. Like mm-hmm. I said. I have a lot of statues to show you. So I'll show you the the traditional one that I show you in, that's in Parque del Retiro in Madrid first. Mm -hmm. And then there are many others. Okay, good. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, and once again, we've got that neck. Um, It's quite a neck. (laughs) Yes, it is. It's Roman-esque. It's not as overtly roman as the previous ones but he does have that helmet with the brush on top i was gonna say he's got that he's got that we're descendants from aeneas so we're gonna dress like trojans helmet he's got that and again the everything is stretched out a little bit but i maintain that may be deliberate because the statue is meant to be looked at from below so they're actually so they're giving him extra neck so that when you look from below he actually has a neck now, um, unfortunately, unlike Ervig, this statue is on the ground, as you can oh, see. So it's not okay. quite as high up. Right. Which so probably that's, that's spoils the effect. Um, also, he has the shoes of uh, Santa's helper, elves. He does have um, elf shoes. Those are just very silly. Um, I kind of <laughs> like that he has the, uh, the, the skirt, the tunic, yes. basically. But yes. if you look underneath, it kind of looks like he's wearing modesty Bi- shorts. Yes, he's got bike shorts on, <laughs> He clearly. has bike shorts underneath. He's carrying so, a, um, a scroll, a right, scroll. Right. His sword is hidden, which surprises me. It, it surprises me, too. Well, let's look at some other statues, because like I said, okay. there are many statues of Pelayo. Okay. This one is in Gijon. Whoa! That is a very different vibe. It's um, an extremely different vibe. He has a crown. Are, he's older. Right. He's carrying a cross. Right. That is that is a I am fighting vampires. Oh pose. yeah. Uh, he's he got is, uh, he's, chain mail. Yes, but but he is clearly warding off creatures of the night. It, it's it's very impressive. It is impressive, um, and I love that the backdrop is an office building. Yeah, is I was going to say Dunder Mifflin. Yes. Uh, is directly behind him. Well, it's funny because this statue is in a, a, a strange kind of part of town. The On this side is the office building. On the mm-hmm. other side is the historical district. Oh, and okay. in front of him is the ocean. Oh, so wow. every angle of this 
statue right. is different. You're seeing something, yes, exactly. But yes. <laughs> yes. So there is this one. It says Rex Pelagius on yes. the pedestal. Sure. There is that. Okay. This one is in Cangas de Onis, the capital that he founded. Okay. Oh, and once again, nobody can decide what this person looked like. By the way, that looks like an ad for a gym in West Hollywood. Uh, um, <laughs> he is quite, he's got guns. He's welcome that is, to the gun show. He is, I, you know, a lot of times we've had people wear tunics that make them look as though they're shirtless. That man is shirtless. He is shirtless. <laughs> He's 100% shirtless. Right. He's also that is wearing definitely sandals. Sums out guns out. Um, okay. Yeah, he's wearing sandals. You could see his toes. That yeah, doesn't wow. seem effective for war, but okay. Um, I the only thing that strikes me is maybe this is a reference to Michelangelo's David, where we sort of want to portray him as naked or mostly naked but for his faith because he's got the big cross he does uh hanging around his his neck but yeah that's 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 ever so slightly porny that's max in a little magazine yeah 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 Yeah, um okay um this is the statue of him at covadonga oh wow okay (laughs) oh um, <laughs> so I chose this one because it illustrates what the terrain is like. The terrain is, is, yeah, I was going to say, that's that's not bad. This, this, um, this might give you uh, another idea as to why the Muslims decided, you know what, this isn't right. worth it. It's yes. very mountainous. It's foggy yeah. in this picture. It's sure. dense. It's rocky. Right. Uh, but the, the statue, again, the cross is bigger yes. than Palayo. The cross is following him. I mean, it it's it, it looks like he hired a guy to stand behind him with a cross on a boom mic. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> okay. And uh, for those of you who are at home, uh, who are familiar with Southern California uh, topography, uh, it looks like he's in Topanga. So, yeah. It that's, looks that's like very... Guatemala or Honduras to me. Oh, okay. Well, th- yeah. that, that, that makes sense too. Okay. Mist all right. and all. Yeah. Yes. I like the little the the tie-ups on his shoes which, which don't right. look connected to his shoes at all they're just no, they on don't. his shins they they look like the fairies uh from zelda games they do look uh, like the zelda fairies they're down they there going like. hey listen. yes hey yes exactly exactly <laughs> <laughs> nice Okay, and then this one is kind of interesting. This is okay. from the Alcazar in Segovia. Mm, now, Segovia mm-hmm. is a city that was not conquered by Pelayo, but it will become an important city in Asturias Leon. Okay. And there is a, um, the Alcazar is the, the royal palace, sure. fortress. Okay. And there are statues of all mm-hmm. of the kings and queens of Spain. And I wanted right. to show you this one here. On the left. Oh, oh my. Oh, okay. All right. Um, it's y- interesting. Yikes. It's interesting because Segovia is much further south than mm-hmm. Cangas de Onis, and you can tell the influence yeah. of the Muslims. I mean, yeah, Alfonso, who is the guy that Palayo's daughter married, he's right. wearing a turban. He's a turban. Yeah, that's a straight up turban. Uh-huh. Um, Favila is in the middle. That's Pelayo's sure. son, right? right? So the the this this is the family we've been talking about. Right, but it's right. It's it is quite 
different stylistically it is very really different s- they look they look vaguely animatronic they look that they're about to come to life and sing happy birthday for somebody they, they pizza do look a little parlor. disney yes 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 yeah yeah but um, yeah they look very a lot of muslim influence here yes and yes. i find that interesting i i do i agree okay and then of course we have the painting that's in the prado oh. you're ready oh, to see this one I haven't seen one of those in a while yeah nope Okay. Here he is. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Not looks subtle. Um, like a Viking. He looks like yes. a Viking. He, yes. He basically, this is a Christian Viking. It uh, is. Just He's got straight flowing up. He, blonde hair. He, he is straight up about to break into something Wagnerian. That is, yeah, that is Siegfried with a cross. Yep. Um, Big sword, which is yes. still sheathed. That's not Which going is still to help. sheathed. Um, and, and note that it is, of course, held in front of him so that it is a second cross. It um, is, yes. Because one cross is not enough. And of um, course, the background of this painting is meant to evoke, <coughs> you know, the, the right. Povadonga, the king. Right, exactly. Right. Yeah, that is, that is, that is a straight up German romanticism. Uh, yes, it is. The, the background and the, just everything. Everything. Uh, his, his hair game is on point, clearly. Yes. That is an impressive mane. That's a guy um, who conditions. Right. So those okay. are all the, um, and there's no coins, obviously. They no, didn't no. really have an opportunity. They didn't have a mint. Right. You know, at, at I was this point, say. They have not conquered a place with a mint yet. Sure. So no coins, the, mm-hmm. the Muslims still have the uh, advantage there. Right. Um, apart from all those wonderful depictions of him, we know mm-hmm. that he was king for 19 years, from 718 mm-hmm. to 737. Okay. We know that he had two children, uh, Ermesinda, mm-hmm. the daughter, and uh, Favila, the son, and both right. of them will sit on the throne. Mm-hmm. So that is pretty important. He died a natural death. Which okay. is not very interesting, but it no. is interesting considering the context. He's it's very interesting considering the context. <laughs> rebels don't often die natural deaths. Absolutely. This is this is impressive. This is, you know, he this is somebody who should have died young and gloriously, and instead he died old and peacefully. And yes. and 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 I say that not to denigrate, but to praise. Yes. Um that's 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 impressive. I'm, I'm going to give him a lot. We also have to say he set the capital. Right. Um, and um, he, he started putting in long-term plans for the kingdom. And as it, we can see from the Despoblados. Right. And it is worth pointing out that this is clearly the human being uh, of whom more statues have been made than oh any other human being. Oh my gosh. Um, it's, it's very, I mean, obviously, and again, this comes back to the if you are commemorated to the extent to which this man has been commemorated, it's a thumbs up in terms of your legacy. What are you What are you thinking? I'm thinking like an eight. Wow. Um, I won't go that high, but I will go. Okay. I will go seven. Um, okay. I, I missed my coin. Um, but he's got. Oh, yes. He's got everything else. Um, but I. So yeah, I. No, I'm going to go seven just because there's nothing. He himself doesn't leave anything physically tangible behind, like a, you know, church or anything. But right, it's more spiritually um, tangible. Right. But in terms of leaving things behind that other people will live in and among and with. Yeah, pretty high score. I will Mm -hmm. I will go as I will go seven for sure. All right. So that's a 15 for El Resto. That means so well. That means his total score is 50. Whoa! 
I mean, that's Musa levels. That's yeah. I was gonna say he's he's right up there with Musa. This is yeah. very impressive. Yes. So um, that that means we only have one more question to ask. Fuero or fuera? Oh, do we this let this one guy is... sign the charter, or do we tell him to get out? I think this is pretty easy. He reconstituted the kingdom, so I am going to say, yeah. Technically, he has a blank charter to work from at this point. So I yes, agree. I, I I think hardcore fuero. Um, I agree with fuero. I do think he has been overhyped. Yes, but. I think it's for a good reason. Right, exactly. This this falls into the category of, if not him, then who? No, in in much the same way that, yes, he was overhyped, but when you look at how Musa's story ended, that was pretty pitiful. And it was yet, very sad. There was never a thought of not letting him sign the charter. Of course. Um, so I, I, I think along those lines, we really have to look at the big picture on this one. And it's definitely Fuero. Yeah, it's definitely Fuero. Well, congratulations, Pelayo. You have gotten the Fuero. Excellent job. (coughs) Nice done. Yeah, let us know what you think. We are on Twitter, Facebook, and Gmail. All of that Mm -hmm. is Spanish Arpada. We have a Mm -hmm. website, SpanishArpada.com, and we Mm -hmm. love to hear from fans. So, yeah. So next time, we're probably going to be going back and picking up all the Muslim governors that failed during (laughs) Pelayo's reign. There are I see a lot of fueras in our future. There's going to be a lot of fueras, but the next Mm -hmm. time that we pick up with the Christians, it's going to be Pelayo's son, Fabila. Mm, and yes. possibly another fuera there. Well, we uh, sh- yeah, we shall <laughs> see. Uh, okay, before we wrap up, we do recommendations. Yes. So we are going to do some recommendations. Peter, oh. I assume you are going to be recommending a cocktail. Yes? I am going to be recommending a cocktail. Now, uh, before you do that, yes. I would like to share a comment that we got on our Twitter, taking yes. you to task for your yes. ahistoricality. I know. Yes. So the reason that you have not been doing cocktails during the Muslim mm-hmm. uh, episodes is because that, of course, Muslims do not drink. Right. Yes. However, we got some uh, Twitter comments from yes. Sama al-Shahat. And he pointed out that Arabs and Muslims actually, despite their religious prohibition on drinking mm-hmm. alcohol, loved to drink. <laughs> they drank all the time and they loved it. Now, I, I hadn't shared this with you, but mm-hmm. I do have a book that I got when I was preparing for my comprehensive exams. It's poetry ah. from uh-huh. um, a little bit later, but during during Muslim rule in the south mm-hmm. of Spain. They are called Harchas Romances. This mm. is poetry that's written in Arabic. Arabic, but contains sections that are in Romance, which is old Spanish, basically. Hmm. So it's a, it's a combination of both. And I got to tell you, all mm. of the poems are about <laughs> drinking and going to meet up with women while evading oh, the censors. Lovely. So yeah, okay. I did know this. As a matter of fact, mm-hmm. the word alcohol Al, right, that's an alcohol. Arabic word. Yes, yes. Yes, indeed. Arabs were the first to invent distilling. Oh. Yes. For which we owe them. So it almost makes up for the fact that they invented algebra. Yes. Um, <clears throat> so thank you, Sama Al-Shahat, for bringing yes. that to our attention and yes. for interacting thank with you. us on Twitter. But Indeed. let's go ahead and uh, right. have your cocktail for this. Yes, concert. I do have a cocktail. Now, as you know, but as our listeners do not, I uh, have just recently had a bout of COVID and I am sort of emerging from it slowly. So that has inspired me to uh, 
evoke one of my favorite cocktails. Uh, it is called penicillin. Um, so now I, the one thing about penicillin that it, it is very easy to make once you have all of the ingredients and it's that once you have all the ingredients part that, that causes a little bit of hesitation on my part, it requires an ingredient here. Here's the thing about penicillin. You have to know a day in advance that you want to make it because you have to make an ingredient that is honey, ginger, syrup. Now, honey ginger syrup is very easy to make. Here's what you do. You one cup of honey, a eh, 6-inch-ish piece of peeled or grated ginger and a cup of water in a small saucepan. So, honey, grated ginger, water in a saucepan. You bring it to a boil and then you put it in uh, you, you probably want to simmer it for a little bit after that. And then, and this is where it's a pain in the neck, you have to put it in a refrigerator to steep overnight. I mean, so that as sounds I say, like something that I would sweeten my tea with. Right. So no, oh, no. And that's the thing is, this is amazing stuff. You will not just use it for the cocktail. You take it out the next day, you uh, strain it with a cheesecloth, which is very easy. Save the honeyed ginger because it is basically candy at yeah. this point. So, so save that. But the syrup that you have produced uh, is now going to be used for the cocktail. It is in a shaker filled with ice, two ounces of blended scotch. Do not use fancy scotch. Dewar's is perfectly fine. A th- three quarters of an ounce of lemon juice, three quarters of an ounce of the honey ginger syrup. You can add a little bit more of both uh, if you like. Shake until well chilled, pour into a rocks glass over ice. There is a final flourish, which I don't know if you need it, but you can. And that is generally most people want you to float a very small amount of single malt scotch. And when I say a very small amount, I mean like a quarter ounce, which will sort of give a peatiness to the overall thing. But basically that is the cocktail. It is very redolent of honey ginger uh, and the maltiness of the scotch, peatiness of the scotch blends with it very well. It tastes like something that is making you healthy and and delightfully so. So I I highly recommend the penicillin. Uh, It is worth the effort to make the honey ginger uh, syrup. And as I say, the honey ginger syrup goes wonderfully in tea and and similar beverages as well so it, it's something that you might want to have in your refrigerator anyway but that is the the beverage of the t- of the day uh penicillin sounds great it is my, re- my recommendation this week is a newsletter a Substack hmm. newsletter oh all right. it's called the road to ai we can trust oh I my was- I was recommended this newsletter uh, when the news came out about that engineer who left Google because he thought that the AI had become sentient. Right, right. Remember that news story? I do remember that one. Uh, I mean, it wasn't that long ago, but it sparked quite a lot of people online talking about how this program was obviously sentient and- posting snippets of conversation as proof that it was sentient and all of this made me very very angry because most of the people posting knew nothing about language or language Mm -hmm. acquisition or how the brain works and well why would why would they want to know any of that when it's more fun to imagine that we're all about to die at the hands of skynet 
I suppose, um, but people were wrong on the internet and I was angry about it. Yes, good. And so someone recommended this Substack. It is Gary Marcus's Substack. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you go to Substack.com and search either for Gary Marcus or The Road to AI, we can trust. Yes. And it is basically uh, a Substack about artificial intelligence, language learning, how the brain works and uh linguistics and every time i read it every time i get one in my email box i I read it i'm like yes Mm. this is right (laughs) this person understands how it works right i'm 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 i you you've described it and i've typed it in and the first article that i see is no lambda is not sentient not even slightly yes that's the first one i read as well it it feels very uh shall we say uh uh healthy intellectually yes Uh, it is and so if you don't know anything about language acquisition um or language learning or how the brain mm -hmm. learns language and you've been confused by all this ai talk this is a great way to kind of get some fundamentals about what AI language learning is and what it isn't and what mm-hmm. that means for the question of sentience. Excellent. Yes. Excellent. So that is my recommendation. The Road to AI We Can Trust, a Substack newsletter from Gary Marcus. You sign up, it's free, and they send it right to your email. Love it. And it's not constant either. So you're not going to get a million emails. It's right. one every couple of weeks, That's which is good. great. Okay. Yes. All right, so next time we will be going back to the South and talking about some extremely unimpressive governors. Oh, goody. (laughs) And uh, just a reminder, we are on an every other week schedule now. Mm -hmm. So the Mm -hmm. next uh, governor or governors, we may do a couple at one, uh, episodes will be released in two weeks rather than next week. Okay. So we will see you all then. Yes, we will. All right, bye. Bye. Bye.